This is Archbishop Blaise Supich, Archbishop of Chicago. Today, I invite you to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a non-for-profit apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization that utilizes media, both old and new, to share the faith on every continent and facilitate an encounter with Christ in His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. This is an invitation to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. When our hearts are open, the Lord changes and transforms us so that we in turn begin to share the warmth and light of Jesus Christ, who is the Word on Fire. The global benefactors of Word on Fire Catholic Ministries, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, it's only fitting that as we pass through the back-to-basics discipline of Lent, the Church should draw our attention to the fundamentals of the moral life. I'm talking about the Ten Commandments. I wonder how many, even church-going people, could recite the Ten Commandments by heart. I bet the vast majority of Christians in past generations could do so. What I want to do in the course of this really brief homily is to say something very simple about each one of the Ten Commandments. First of all, the commandments are divided into two tables, to use the classical term, two tablets. The first three having to do with our relation to God, and the last seven having to do with our relation to our neighbors. It's so important that we take first things first, the first table of the law. Getting our relationship with God right is the key to getting everything else right in the moral life. Let me just say that again. It's a very important point. To get our relationship with God right is the key to getting everything else right in the moral life. So the first commandment, appropriately, is, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods besides me. There is nothing more fundamental. Everybody worships something or someone. What I mean by that is something or someone is the absolute highest value for you, the center of gravity for your life. Everyone has, to use Paul Tillich's language, an ultimate concern. Now, you might deny it, but everyone's got it. And it's not all that hard to sniff out, actually. What is the center of gravity? What's the highest value? What's of supreme importance to you? That's what you worship. That word coming from an English, old English word, worthship. What's of highest worth to you? The first commandment is saying, that has to be God. If it's anything other than God, your moral life and your spiritual life will come apart. I've used the image of the rose window a lot. You know, the center of the rose around which are gathered all the elements in it forming a beautiful harmony. Well, that's a symbol of the well-ordered soul, where God is worshipped alone above all, and the rest of the person, the soul, 
falls into harmony. You worship something other than God. Your soul will disintegrate. It will fall apart. Okay? Second commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. See, here's the thing. It's, it's one thing to claim that God is the ultimate good in your life. It's quite another to instantiate it through speech and action. That's what commandments two and three are about. I mean, you can say, oh yeah, God's the center of my life. Well, speak like it and act like it. Speaking in a derogatory or denigrating or casual way about God leads to a coarsening of the soul. It's interesting to me how speech is emphasized in the Ten Commandments. Speech matters. Oh, it's just something I said. It's just a casual thing that I I said. Yeah, but right speech contributes to the building up of the soul. Wrong speech to the coarsening of the soul. The third commandment, even more telling. Remember to keep holy the Sabbath day. One must instantiate one's commitment to God through definite acts of worship. Otherwise, that commitment becomes an abstraction and then an irrelevancy. Unless you incarnate your worship of God in some definite practice, it becomes in very short order an abstraction and then an irrelevancy. Worship cannot just be a matter of interior disposition. It must express itself through action. And that's what keeping holy the Sabbath is about. Mind you, this is not a question of God being offended, as though God needs our worship. He doesn't need our worship. He needs nothing. But see, we need worship because worship instantiates this right ordering to God, which is the key to moral and spiritual integration. One thing we've all noticed, the falling off of Sunday worship in our society. When I was a kid, doesn't seem that long ago, um, you pretty much took for granted that Americans of whatever religious background or denomination were in church on Sunday. It was much more of a common uh, thing. Now you assume pretty much the opposite. Sunday's like any other, uh, well, it's like Saturday. It's another weekend day. This falling off of worship, this violation of the third commandment, signals, I think, a terrific loss of focus in our society. Okay, there's the first tablet of the law. Honor God, honor God in your speech, worship God through some concrete act. So now we turn to the second tablet, which has to do with our relations to our neighbors. If we are ordered to God, then we will love what God loves. That's the logic here. That's why love of God uh, conduces to love of neighbor. So the fourth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. Now, most commentators from biblical times on have seen this command as a commandment to attend not just to one's parents, but to the obligations of one's family, the people closest to you. See, if you claim to be worshiping God, 
therefore loving what God loves, but you can't manage to love and honor the people closest to you, something's the matter. It's important, of course, in Catholic social teaching that the family is the building block of society. That's not just a nice um, um, abstraction. That's a very telling point. If, if the family falls apart, society falls apart. If you can't manage to love those who are nearest and dearest to you, then the foundation's been lost. The fifth commandment. You shall not kill. Now, I realize the vast majority of those listening to me have neither murdered nor been seriously tempted to murder. Nevertheless, let's face it, killing is not a minor problem in our world. Beginning perhaps with the 60 million unborn children killed since Roe v. Wade, 1973. Think of the 20-some victims of ISIS beheaded recently. Think of the almost casual murder of young people on the streets of our major cities. Killing is still very much of a reality in our world. Here's the basic biblical intuition. God is the Lord and giver of life. Therefore, we have no business, except in the case of of self-defense, and that's been recognized from the earliest days, except in that case, We have no business interfering with that prerogative. God is the Lord and giver of life. Now, broaden this out too a little bit. Are you in your dealings with other people someone who enhances life or diminishes life? Again, most people listening to me are neither murderers nor nor tempted to murder. But are you a life giver in your dealings with people? Do they feel more alive after being with you? Or is their life diminished? You shall not kill. The sixth, you shall not commit adultery. Does anybody doubt that the violation of the marriage vow is a major problem in our society? Does anyone doubt that marriage is in pretty serious trouble, especially in the West? Does anyone doubt the awful pain and disruption caused in a marriage by cheating? We can pretend that we're so casual and liberal and progressive about these things, but talk to anyone who's been cheated on in a marriage and find out how they really feel. As I said, the family is the building block of the society. We can't love our family adequately, or in this case, Husbands and wives cannot maintain their commitment to each other. The family falls apart. When the family falls apart, the society falls apart. See how fundamental this commandment is. How much sadness comes into human affairs through adultery. Then the seventh commandment. You shall not steal. There's something uniquely depressing and violating about being robbed. Talk to people who have been robbed, whose homes have been ransacked. It's a particularly awful violation of one's rights and personhood. Have you made restitution after you've stolen something? 
Thomas Aquinas, by the way, said that calumny is a violation of the seventh commandment, for it is the stealing of the good reputation of someone. That's always taken me aback. When you start bad-mouthing someone, you start uh, undermining someone's reputation. That's a kind of stealing you have no right to. The Eighth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. How we love tearing each other down. It's a function of the ego's need to be superior and to feel protected. Our favorite indoor pastime is critiquing each other. Something I've urged people to do, monitor sometime just how often you engage in bearing false witness. How often in the course of a day you engage in tearing down someone's reputation or good name. You lie about someone for your own purposes. I'll put the last two together. You shall not covet your neighbor's goods. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. That can seem maybe a little bit quaint, anything but. The contemporary philosopher René Girard has constructed a complex theory that hinges on this tendency we have to desire what our neighbor desires. He calls it triangular mimetic desire. Fancy language, but the reality we all recognize. We tend to desire things not because they're good in themselves, but because somebody else desires them. If you doubt me on this, you doubt Rene Girard, watch little children at play. That toy has zero interest to a kid until some other kid wants it. Watch gang members fighting over a jacket. Watch much of advertising. Watch most of our sexual relationships. We want something because someone else wants it. This competitive coveting leads, Girard thinks, to most of the conflicts that bedevil human society. So stop fussing about what other people have, what other people desire. Get over coveting. Friends, might I suggest this Lent, you make the small effort to memorize the Ten Commandments. It'd be a good spiritual exercise. And then, let's all try to make the larger effort to follow them. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Word on Fire. My prayer is that each of us may be on fire with love for God and neighbor. Until next week, I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Friends, holiness is heroism, and we need heroic priests. That's why we partnered with Spirit Jew Studios to create a short film highlighting the demands and joys of the priesthood. Watch the entire film for free and share it with all the young men you know by visiting heroicpriesthood.com.